Welcome to Emotional Empowerment, a podcast for emotionally sensitive or struggling people who are open to learning how to use your emotions as a spiritual practice. Hi, I'm Michelle Bursell, and I've taught therapists, coaches, and people around the world how to use their negative feelings to heal their life, and in doing so, eliminated their struggle with anxiety, depression, anger, guilt, and more. Ready to turn your negative feelings into your greatest allies? Then let's start your emotional empowerment journey right now. Hello, everyone. It's Michelle Bursell, and I want to welcome you to episode 12, How to Address Your Anger from Empowerment and Love. Today is all about anger, and this is one of my favorite topics because anger is my absolute favorite negative emotion. I know, that's weird, right? But by the end of this episode, I want it to be your favorite negative emotion too. The other thing about anger is that it is so misunderstood. It is the most misunderstood negative feeling. People usually fall into two camps when it comes to anger. Today, I want to support you to create a third and join me in the third, and then I'll go over the three steps and how to apply them when we join this empowered anger camp. That's the third camp. So before I get into the empowered anger camp, let's talk about the first camp, which are people who say, I am totally comfortable with my anger. When people tell me that, this usually tells me that they are comfortable going off on people, and that is not empowered anger. So that's great. You're you're comfortable just, you know, saying it like it is and going off, but that's not really what empowered anger is about. And I'm going to get into much, much more. What is empowered anger? What does it look like? And how can we utilize this from a place of empowerment and love? Back to this first camp, I'm comfortable with my anger because people who fall in this camp are also very comfortable with blaming and shaming others. They tend to feel justified. Sometimes it's based on how they've been treated in the past, or there can be a sense of they're entitled or better than another. And so this energy of blame and shame comes out with their anger. The other piece to this first camp is, while it's better than being a victim, they still aren't fully in their power. So if you fall into this category, you know that deep down you actually feel out of control. So even though you may feel comfortable with expressing your anger, when you're expressing it, you can feel out of control and have this fierce need to lash out because it's actually a way that you protect yourself. And so if you fall into this first camp, please don't judge yourself. Again, this is better that you're expressing yourself, trying to protect yourself. It's just that we want to understand that deep down there's a disempowered feeling, a sense that you're weak or a part of you is fragile. And so the ego tries to show itself as a lion, even though deep down this part of you feels afraid and especially afraid of loss. So the big thing is when I talk about these two different camps that are not the empowered aspect of anger is not to judge yourself if you fall in it because, again, this emotion has been so misunderstood. 
So why this first camp of, you know, I'm quote unquote comfortable (laughs) with my anger and then it's just about lashing out is that you may get what you want on the outside because you're using the same power over method that people probably used on you that made you feel powerless. So on the outside, it can look like you're getting what you want, but you won't get what you are really looking for inside, which is this sense of security. And so people who fall in this first camp tend to remain on the, on the defense, and that is exhausting. The real pain is that, not to mention the real pain, is that your tendency is to push away the intimacy and comfort and security you crave. And you'll do this in one or more of your relationships. It can be with your spouse, your child or children, or just the sense of that you don't really have true friendships. So the external you is this lion and don't mess with me. Internally, you want to be held and feel secure and feel loved for who you are and to have this part of you that's truly a teddy bear feel seen. When I work with people in this first camp, it's understanding why this part of you developed, which we won't get into today, but there is always a reason why we fall into this first camp, and it's largely about protection. People probably used anger or powered over you in ways that made you feel very disempowered, and so this is the only way you've known how to work with that anger and what anger has been modeled to you as, as something to power over people. And yet it comes with a cost. So that's why it doesn't work is that there will be a struggle for intimacy, connection in one or more areas of life. This is what I've seen time and time again. All right. Now let's talk about the second camp. If you fall into the second camp, you are a person who is completely uncomfortable with your anger. And again, we don't want to judge ourselves. It's really understanding that the way we have been brought up to understand anger, the way we've seen disempowered anger come lashing out, it makes sense that you don't want to be that. But the problem is when you're completely uncomfortable with anger, you tend to tuck it away. And when you tuck your anger away, a couple things can happen. And this is really common for people who are trying to be positive, who are on this spiritual path. It's like you don't want to look at any aspects of yourself that may be upset and angry, yet you're really doing a disservice to yourself. One, you're going to do a disservice to yourself because when you don't acknowledge this emotion, it's going to come out in a couple ways. One is you're going to hold on to resentment. So I work with a lot of spiritual people, people who are Reiki masters, shamans, uh, just people who have uh, been on a spiritual path, hardcore Christians and Buddhists, you name it. And when they don't receive this, there's an underlying resentment and difficulty with forgiveness of either yourself or others that then turns into depression. So if we don't understand and receive this anger, it can tend to go inward. The other thing it does, if it's not going inward, is that you unknowingly are creating some drama 
And this happens a lot because when you can't own your anger, you tend to look at yourself as a victim. Now, again, not in all areas of life. I've worked with some very powerful people, people who are kicking butt in the world, and yet will have this residual anger towards their finances or towards their spouse. And so it's really being able to recognize that if you have some built up resentment, if you don't feel like you're being treated fairly, there comes in that victim narrative and you could unknowingly be creating drama, be supporting people to feel entitled around you because you are not in your power. And so why this doesn't work is, as I've mentioned, this unaddressed rage becomes self-hatred. And unknowingly, you are recreating some victim experiences where, again, things aren't fair to you. If you have that type of narrative, again, even if you might be kicking butt in one area of your life, that if something doesn't seem fair, if you're holding on to resentment, then you're not receiving your anger. And the thing is, is that in this area, or in all areas of your life, if you feel disempowered, people won't completely trust you because you're pretending that you have no anger and you're this positive person and nothing bothers you, but people feel what's inside of you. And this happens to people who really have a hard time with owning the fact that they could be angry. It's like the more someone wants to see themselves as like peaced out, oming out, (laughs) meditative person, there is unaddressed rage and anger and people will feel that. And so unintentionally, again, similar to the first camp, you will be pushing people away and have no idea why that is. And it's this unprocessed anger. The point is, is that neither is an empowered expression, but if you fall into either of those camps, you haven't been shown a way how to work with anger. Anger has been looked at as evil. And we, so we have our own relationship with each of our negative emotions. And the one that tends to be the worst for people is anger. And we need an empowered expression. I see this because when I go to speak at conferences, sometimes about trauma. And I worked with traumatized populations. This definition of anger rang true to them. For the people that work with people who have experienced trauma and have a lot of anger because of it, this definition has worked for them. And they could see where they were falling into one of those two camps and what they could do differently. And this was people that we're trying to work with anger management and that was not successful, right? And what I tell people who have uncontrollable anger is the worst thing you can say to someone who deals with anger and is challenged by anger is to tell them to manage it. (laughs) Because it's like, obviously they already feel out of control. So you're like, Can you please control this out of control part of you? Yeah, that doesn't work well. We've got to understand it. So again, whether this is something you are tucking inside of you, burying inside of you, can't admit, can't see that your human experience brings forward anger for a reason, 
then this is an opportunity for you to start to receive it. If it's out of control, how to receive it in a way that empowers you rather than actually disempowers you. Because when we feel out of control, even if you get your way, you don't feel empowered. And that's how the cycle of anger and can increase to violence. And so it's really understanding this. So why do we experience anger? Anger is simply a signal that you are not in your power and you're feeling like you've lost your power, okay? So when you feel angry, you're getting the signal, I have no power. And when you are feeling that, you're not going to be in your power and that is never, ever, ever the truth. You always have power. But it's how do I step into my empower from a power with standpoint rather than power over. So if you're in the first camp, you're going to fight back to gain back your power. But again, that's like a short-term gain for a long-term loss because deep down you really feel out of control. The second camp will continue to feel like a victim and it plays into that victim narrative. So let me invite you to what the camp number three, the empowered anger camp looks like and the three steps to be a part of this camp. So I mentioned this already, but let me reiterate it. Step number one is recognizing you are never without power. The example I use all the time is Nelson Mandela. Here he was unfairly, unjustly, locked up, imprisoned. And it's so easy to then think, I have no power, I'm in prison. And yet Nelson Mandela tapped into empowered anger about what was happening to him, what was happening to his country, the unjustness in that, and found a way to empower himself through using what he did have, which was his mind, what he did have, which was still a voice, and still was able to come from this place of empowerment and truth when he spoke. So because he wasn't coming from a victim narrative, because he was standing for something strongly and remained in his truth, he was claiming his power. And him being able to do that mobilized a whole country to think and behave differently. So you always have power, even when it feels that real things have been taken away from you. You still have power. And a lot of that is, how am I going to choose to respond to the situation? And if you get to see yourself in a place of loss of power or being a victim, you're not going to be empowered and step into your power. All right, that was step number one. Step number two is personal responsibility. So I'm never without power. And how do I personally choose to channel this power in a way that respects myself and others? So this slides into step number three, which is discovering your next stage to owning more of your power. See, sometimes we look at power as like, what does it mean to be powerful? Like, I'm going to speak up boldly and I'm going to share my voice. And if you're a quiet person or if you have had a victim narrative, 
that said, I shouldn't speak up, then yes, that is your next stage to owning your power. However, if you're a loud, boisterous person, your next stage of owning your power may be to be quiet, listen, and be more vulnerable. And that is power. But of course, people who have been told that vulnerability is a weakness will have difficulty stepping into vulnerability. And that's exactly what my people in camp number one need to do. They want intimacy deep down. They crave that security of others, and yet they've been pushing others away with their anger. And so it really requires, how can I still find and experience my truth and own it in a powerful way so that I can be vulnerable and open myself to another? So rather than protect, 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 I've got to be the, the lion that, that makes people afraid and scares them away. You are strong enough to be vulnerable and open yourself up. And even if you get rejected, you still know the power in who you are. You still know the truth in who you are. So that's your next stage. So the steps are, you are never without power. You must step into personal responsibility. What does it look like for me to channel this energy? So I'm not going to lash out and go into blame and shame because that is not personally responsible. Blame and shame ultimately makes you the victim because you're saying it's, it's somebody else, not me. And you always want to be in the equation. Why? Because when you're in the equation, then you have power. So personal responsibility. And then what is my next stage to owning more of my authentic power, which is always power with, not power over. So again, for those who've had a problem speaking up or sharing their truth, then yes, it's going to be being more vocal. It's going to be inserting your needs or whatever that next step is for you so that you don't feel like a victim or, or a doormat or that people are always piling more things onto you, that you will have to take a stand and speak to your truth. But it doesn't have to be this loud, harsh addressing other people. Because when you are in your power, it's always about respect towards yourself and others. Again, when I was at this trauma conference, that really resonated for people. That A, your anger is a signal that you're not in your power. And B, what power really is, is simultaneously respecting your power and others. It's not an either or. And so we start to get out of that dynamic. So let's be clear. You will feel angry when you are buying into the idea that you have no power or lost your power. Empowered anger is actually deep personal responsibility. And that's why it's so important nowadays, because we see how anger is being addressed in ways that is not taking personal responsibility. And guess what? We don't get anywhere. You know, I see this all the time with couples. Couples come to me and they want to lash out because they're angry with each other. And I'm like, you can do that all you want. And you can be super self-righteous about that. And I'm not saying that you don't have reason to say what you're saying. However, if you ultimately came here to fix your marriage, which is why you came to me, your disempowered expression of anger will not get you what you want. So it's great to be able to be very self-righteous, but it doesn't put you in the equation 
and then you're ultimately the victim, no matter if you're roaring like a lion or you're hiding in a cave, you're the victim. And so this is about how to take personal responsibility of our lives. And that's the beauty. And this is exactly why I love, love, love anger and especially your rage, which I'm going to get into because it is guiding you to transform you and your life into more of your beauty, love, and gifts that are meant to shine in the world. But it comes from within. We've got to take responsibility of this large energy. And that's what it is. So think about this large energy. You stuff it away. And so much of your life force energy is going towards stuffing that away. We want to use it to fuel us. So let me get into some real life examples about how to do this and keep using those steps because I think it'll help you make sense of this. So I've shared with you before, I work with people, entrepreneurs, people, multimillionaires. And this one gentleman I was working with started with me because of couples issues, having trouble in the marriage. And what was really going on was that Jim had some anger issues. So Jim confessed to me. He's like, you know, I like my anger because it makes me a bulldog and it's what has made me successful. You know, I need this bulldog to come out because then I get my way and that's how my business grows. So a couple problems with this is that when Jim would utilize his anger this way, He would get what he wanted in the short term. In the long term, it made him feel like a real jerk. And it reiterated this belief in himself that he's really not a good person. So he's not consciously aware that this is going on in his head. But after a big meeting like that, he would be depressed. He would want to like just go up in his room and not really be interactive with his family or his wife. So of course, when we are doing something to gain power over, that same pattern will repeat itself in your other relationships. So he tends to take a back seat in his marriage so he doesn't power over, but there'll be a buildup of things gone wrong, things where he's felt disrespected. So you see that word coming up again, this respect piece he would start to feel disrespected and then lash out at her or the kids. And then again, here's more evidence of why I'm a jerk. And so people who lash out in anger, I've had people come up to me after a speaking event and thank me because they're they're like, oh my gosh, I've always had this belief that I was such a jerk. And now I understand through the lens of love that I just felt so disempowered. I felt like my power was being taken away. And of course, I'd want to grab that back and take that back. I just didn't know how to do that in a way that was respectful of myself and others. And so this is what we did with Jim. So he had a meeting coming up and I asked him to go into that meeting, understanding that he is never without power. And so other people or businesses don't need to be a threat. See, to him, his inner dialogue was, every other business out there is a threat and I must conquer them. And because I've had this mentality, which started very young for him in sports as well, 
Because I have this mentality, that's what's made me win. That's what's made me be successful. By the way, multi-multi-millionaire still did not feel successful. Yes, he had wealth, but he thought like at this point in my life with these multi-millions, I should be like freaking happy. (laughs) And he wasn't because this part was operating within him. So I said, go into this meeting knowing you are not without power. And these people, these businesses are not a threat to you. Next, take personal responsibility for how you want to channel this energy. Can you state your case of your truth, of your vision, without terrorizing others and needing to have this huge lion roar and freak people out and scare them. So then if you're not doing that, if you can take responsibility for that energy that wants to bulldoze over people, what does it look like for you to truly own your power, to be able to take a stand in your truth without hurting others? Sure enough, he came to me. He's like, Michelle, this was the best day ever. I got exactly what I wanted and I don't feel like a big jerk. I didn't ruin these other relationships with people in my business. I felt proud of how I was able to stand my ground and my truth. And I don't feel like this big jerk bully. So the more he showed up in this way, the more controlled he felt the more he believed in himself and the more he was reiterating, you know what? I really am a good guy. I've just been taught an unhealthy way to be successful. And of course, a lot of people have been taught that and really realizing what it means to be truly successful. And of course, these same things that he needed to do in this business meeting was exactly how he needed to show up in his marriage. The more he stepped into this, the more things got better for his relationship, his business, and overall sense of success and enjoying life. Now, let me give you another example. I work with a lot of people who go through a divorce and re-enter the dating world. And I want to share a story about Cheryl. She was exactly like a lot of women I've worked with, she was previously married and had the tendency to be the caretaker in the marriage. She was the one who tried to make everything smooth for her husband. She felt bad for her ex-husband because he had some mental health stuff. And so she was the one that would try to take charge of things, try to fix things. And now she's single and she wants to have a relationship with her beloved. And the idea of being with another person, like her ex-husband, makes her furious because she was just, she became furious of the ways he didn't show up for her, furious of the ways that she had to do all the caretaking, furious that so much was on her shoulders. And so the first thing is to remember, even as she's dating, even in her past relationship, you are never without power. And so it's really understanding that if you want to create this type of relationship, you've got to see your power and how you can make that happen. And this is where the personal responsibility piece is, where you have to teach people how to treat you. This is a given for all of us. We teach people how to treat us based on what we feel about ourselves. And if Cheryl wants this new relationship with a beloved, 
she's going to have to think differently of herself. So she starts dating a wonderful man and one that she believes may be the one. And of course, in the beginning is the honeymoon period and everything is great. And eventually some disappointments come. She starts to realize like, I'm the one that's reaching out all the time and wanting to get together or saying, when's the next time we're getting together? And her, her birthday comes and she feels like, you know, he showed up, he took her out to dinner, but he didn't really give it much thought. And she finds herself angry and saying to herself, you know, I'm the one putting in the effort. But sure enough, she starts second guessing herself. Maybe I'm being too hard on him. Maybe my expectations are too much. He hasn't been feeling that great. He's been working hard. I should just be more accepting. And then talks herself into dismissing how she feels until something happens again, which has her questioning this guy's commitment to her. And every time that happens, she gets angry, but then talks herself out of it because she should be more accepting, right? So what's happening here? Well, this is exactly how women get themselves into a victim narrative and say that there's no good people out there. It's because we are falling back into a pattern that is not loving towards ourselves. What is the loving thing to do? What's the empowered thing to do? What is your anger calling you to do? Your anger is saying that you have needs in this relationship. It's your personal responsibility to claim what those needs are and to do that by verbalizing in a way that's not shaming or blaming or attacking, but gives that person the benefit of the doubt while you share what you need. And then you take a step back and see if this person truly wants to be a match to what your need is, or if there's a way that the two of you can talk it through and compromise what that need should look like. So there's a way that you're stepping in differently because you love, honor, and respect yourself. If you're the one that wants to fix things and push things to make things happen, you aren't giving yourself the ability to see if this person is as in to you as you are into him or her, whatever the case is for you. And so all of this is about reclaiming our power, reclaiming our truth, seeing yourself as worthy enough to have your needs met without having to bend and contort yourself to be enough to be loved. And as soon as Cheryl got this, this is when she ended that relationship and stepped into a relationship where there was someone that could meet her in the middle, that could step up so that it was both an elevation of both people rather than either or. And in order for Cheryl to receive this, she had to see it first for herself, see herself in that way. And that's when we can have this balanced, beautiful connective, intimate, beloved relationship. So empowered anger is about really being able to love yourself in an empowered way. This is what it means for one to love oneself, is to have your own back while being compassionate and respectful to others. So we can be compassionate without tolerating people's crap, right? We can be compassionate of why 
they may be showing up in an unhealthy way, but it doesn't mean that we're going to receive that unhealthy behavior and accept it. So you can be compassionate and give people the benefit of the doubt, but ultimately you want to see the situation for the truth of what it is. And here's my invitation to you as we talk about this third camp is for you to tap into your empowered anger and even better is rage. Because rage is saying, no more, not on my watch. And the key is the shift starts internally where you aren't willing to continue your own lines of BS that you've been feeding yourself because that is not love. This rage is about you showing up differently, more powerfully, and like a bold force that also holds strong onto love and care and respect for yourself and others. This rage, when understood from love, is about creation and rebirth, and it has nothing to do with blame and shame. The question you ask yourself in your rage and in your anger is, where do I stand given this situation? And how am I going to be a positive force of change that cannot and will not be stopped? My invitation is to let this power-filled energy to burn the bridge to the old ways that disempowered you and be a light to your next destination. When your anger shows up, when your rage shows up, it is not by accident. This is the she who cannot be contained. This is our emotional selves. And when this energy is utilized from love and empowerment, you will be unstoppable. So here's to loving the anger and rage as it arises in you. And the woman you will become or the man you will become when you catch a hold of this divine feminine force coursing through you with the powerful purpose to shape you into more of your true, loving, power-filled self. Your empowered anger is there for you to be the authority of your life and shine in the likeness of the divine that created you by you living your life with courage, trust, and faith. I hope this podcast episode inspires you because this is exactly why I love anger. I've seen it in its empowered version and the love and transformation that comes through at a whole new level. Who knew your anger could be so, so good? All right, everyone. I can't wait to see you next time. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Emotional Empowerment Podcast. If you've enjoyed the program, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes to help us spread the message about how to use your emotions as a tool for spiritual and personal growth. To receive free training and emotional empowerment, visit www.iiee.training. That's www.iiee.training.